today we find out what happens when you get three people together who do not care about what topics are discussed. Two dudes and an idiot trying to figure out life's deepest secrets. Tune in this week to see who the idiot is. Our brand is self-deprecation. Our topics are broad and our methods questionable. I am Andrew. I am Roman. I'm Ian. And this is the Anything Bros podcast. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, at least we're synced up now. Yeah, hopefully. (laughs) I think so. (laughs) All right. Who wants to do the introduction? So tonight we're going to be... Hold on. How did I say that? (laughs) Tonight we're not going to be... Potatoing the diatoms, that's it. All right, so tonight we're not going to be potatoing the diatoms like we did in the last episode. We're going to be talking about building computers. So uh, we're going to be going over the crucial ideas about how to build a computer, the overall goals, and how to get to the steps where you want to build it. So um, so I want to start off by talking about what you should start thinking about when you look at a computer. Like, what do you want from it? What kind of machine do you want? Do you want a gaming machine? Do you want a video editing machine? Do you just want one for a daily use? Because that's going to tell you a huge um, difference in different machines. Because a video editing machine is completely different from a gaming machine, which is also completely different from a daily use machine just serving the webs. Um, so then you also have to have to really dig deep and look into what programs um, you want to use. Do you want to use Microsoft? Do you want to use Linux? If that's still even a thing now, I'm not even sure if that's still a thing. Um, Mac. Um, because you have to look in how you uh, do some research into how you partition those different operating systems. By partitioning, that is telling the hardware what software and how to run. If I got that right, right, Ian? Is that correct? Yeah, okay. uh, roughly correct. Um, I can talk a little bit about Linux, too, because okay. I have some experience using some newer Linux distributions. Okay. Um, but you also want to look at how big do you want to make the computer and devices that are going with it. Do you want to create what's called master and slave drives, which means that one part of the computer is the master, which then you have other portions of that slaved to it. So it delegates, if I remember correctly, it delegates portions of its processing to the other portion, other parts of the computer. I believe that's right. There, yeah, that's that can be more of a, of a technical thing for, like, one thing that you can do and this is like going way off base here, but this like a if you want to make a little supercomputer of your own, you can buy little computers and tether them together and do all sorts of great computer science experiments. I mean, you can even do things like that. Um, but from my understanding with like, uh, you know, distributing pa- processing power, um, it's over the years when I when I built computers back in high school they had like masters and slave drives um it's more become just like all centralized one one processor one graphics card um and then sometimes they'll do they have a new protocol for um storage devices so instead of having um just everything being going into one storage device so like your hard drive you can actually have multiple hard drives that work in unison with one another, and then it backs up your data in a certain way that makes your hard drives faster, but also more reliable if your hard drives fail for whatever type of reasons. And we can go into those um, too. But there's a that's like a that's a whole other segment to get into there, and there's so much to that. But yeah, I've, I've heard a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, so after you really define the goals, whether you're tethering something together, you're planning everything out, um, you really want to look into what tools you need, what do you require. Most times you require some type of nut driver, screwdriver, and that's usually about it, unless you want to get into more in-depth and actually soldering and making your transition. Don't even worry about that, because that's a nightmare. <laughs> Especially for people who are first-time builders. Um, But you also want to be wary of magnetic tools. I know there's some companies that say they're great. I'm always wary of them because you never know. You could could set off your hard drive a little bit and that will cause some issues down the road. Um, 
But when you want to when you want to start planning planning everything, you want to pick your case out. Your case will determine how much space you have. That space will determine how much crap you can literally put in your case. I got a um, I got a question for you. Quick. Sure. So I, I'm I'm playing the idiot this episode. Uh, <laughs> never built a computer. I know nothing about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, question is, you know, you say about building a computer. Is it always mm-hmm. like a a big computer, or can you do these things on a laptop as well? Do people build you, laptops? You can build laptops. You can build okay. iPad. You can build iPads. You can build okay. Android phones. But that's if you want. that's a that's a thing. Like people do that, or is it always just your personal computer that most people do? I mean, yeah, people do. <laughs> I mean, my like me and my brother, my brother more than me has built, has repaired laptops and put laptops together. I have only ever done desktops. Okay. Um, laptops are a little bit more compact on the inside, so it makes it a little bit more difficult for a new builder to do that. And okay. it's and if I, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure a lot of the processors and stuff are integrated too, right? What has happened over the years from, I would say this has happened in the last decade, is that as the body size for a laptop has shrunk down and technology has gotten smaller and smaller and smaller, um, and companies more or less have gotten a little bit greedier, uh, they have soldered and you know built things into the motherboard that you can't replace more and more and more and made it more and more compact. And another thing that the way that they have made laptops more compact and um, is that they will make custom in-house solutions for like how they construct the inside of it. So it's like Dell will have a completely different layout to how they construct a laptop where you can't assemble different components of it. And there's not really a large market for um, like independent uh, people to build uh, hardware solutions because there's not really a standardized body design for laptops and it gets really complicated. Um, the easiest way I've, I've learned or have found out to make a laptop is to get something called a Raspberry Pi. Which I have is heard of them. A, yeah, they're super cool. Um, and with the newer Raspberry Pi, you can um, just like throw that into a body of, of a laptop there's a couple of custom solutions that they have and uh, you can have a little like internet notebook um, I would not recommend <laughs> building a laptop um, it, it would be a headache but it's possible um, I'm sure that you can get on you'd probably have to get on some type of uh, you know Chinese vendor website and know a little bit of Mandarin but you could do it <laughs> okay <laughs> So we will be talking desktop then today, of course. Yep, yep desktop. Yeah. So. It is, it's still very possible to do everything that you're saying. I just, it is out of my depth. <laughs> so if, if Andrew, you know somebody that builds laptops, oh, good for them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, he has, he has over the years, so it's like, ah. That's awesome. But, um, but yeah, so yeah, case space is, is a huge thing. So mm-hmm. um, It is. Yeah, but when we're talking about parts and, and compatibility in space, I mean, when you're looking at the case, you want to you want you want to look for something that will fit your needs. So, um, after you get that case picked out and you're looking at the parts, um, you want to look at different companies that will have that. Like Newegg's a really good one, but there's also other companies out there. I think t- something Tiger. Tiger Tech is that Tiger the, Direct. Tiger Direct. That's the other one. Um, but they all have they all have refurbished. They have new. Um, refurbished can be fine, but you just have to be careful that the company you're getting it from is reputable. Because if you buy it through a third party vendor, and it's who knows what kind of condition it might be coming in. Um, but yeah, you want to look at look at all the different parts and make sure they're compatible with your case. Because some parts might have screws on the opposite side of which case has its screw holes in and that can cause a big problem um i know with um power sources sometimes they're too large they might have the right screw placing but you will lose a third of your space on the power on just the power source so uh all right i think that's it for case space do we want to talk about different um Case sizes 
uh, like ATX down, or do we want to save that for later? Yeah, we can we can cover that now if you want to if you want to talk about that. Yeah, so there are different standardized form factors for building com computers. There is the largest would be ATX, and it's not really, you don't have to really know this stuff. I would really recommend going to partspicker.com um, when you're building out your, your PC because it will actually tell you what is compatible for the different components that you selected. But ATX is a size of a of motherboard, which is I think is probably a really good place to start when you're looking at building a computer. Is the motherboard is what is like the base of your computer. It, that's where you build everything off of. So you you have a motherboard, and the motherboard size will dictate the, the size of your case, and then it will dictate the the amount of things that you can put on there. Um, at least that's where I like to start. Some people like to, like, oh, that, that looks like a really shiny graphics card. Let me start there um, and then work a little bit backwards. But um, you, you, so there's ATX, then there's MATX, which is like mini ATX. It's a little bit smaller. Um, and then there is uh, ITX, which is the, the smallest. And then there's, you know, other smaller, different ones, but those are the big three. ITX is really compact if you want something that you could just like sit on your desktop um mini atx or uh, is is a little bit bigger than that it's it that's if you have a little extra space and then atx and um you can even go larger i think it's x atx um i'm trying to remember but it, you can get really large cases which is what i prefer to build in because it gives you lots of room it's one of the things is like you have a big case you have lots of places where you can put wires and you don't have to really worry about expanding if you have the space and you don't mind having a huge loud thing in your room um it's it's really easy to work in those and it's what i would recommend for a first time builder Um, yeah, and then, yeah, I, I'm trying to think what I was going to say. Crap. Well, where, where do you go after the motherboard? That would be my so, next question. So, so, so the you mother choose your mother, well, well, how do you choose your motherboard? Like, so motherboard is really so, dependent on what you want to do. So, because it gives you that leeway to, um, your motherboard provides you the space to pick your, your, um, processor to pick your video card to pick how much RAM you want to put in. So if you want, say, a video gaming or a video gaming or a um, video edit editing computer, which will use two different amounts of RAM, video editing will use a lot more than video gaming will. And then it also use a higher processor typically um, and a better graphics card, unless you use both for gaming. Anyway, that'd be kind of ridiculous, but still. Um, so yeah, so you after you plan your motherboard out around that, um, around what you want to do, um, you want to then you want to look at your processor. How much processing capacity do you want? Um, the faster the processor, the more information it can push push through. But also the more heat sinks you have to have or heat fans. So, <laughs> so yeah, so that's why you need to make sure you have space because um, if you have a larger I heavy-duty processor that's sucking, that's sucking up a lot of heat, you have to push all that heat off that processor somehow. So you have to have a, a, fan, a cooling fan on top of that that's usually relatively large. Um, then if you're doing a lot of processing too, with, you'll also need a heavy-duty video card as well, typically. So. Yeah. Um, so, so I think maybe I should kind of roll back what I was saying. Because you have to pick the motherboard in tandem with the processor that you want. Um, so the com the big components that we will we are running through is we're already talking about cases, um, we're talking about motherboards, and now we're talking about you know processors, RAM, uh, graphics cards. Uh, so if different processors relate to different motherboards, which is it gets really complicated really quickly. So there is two big processor companies right now that are, are putting out the big CPUs, which is AMD and Intel. And they have different strengths and weaknesses. 
Um, it's hotly debated. There's lots of fanboys on either side. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm looking at my computer right now, my laptop. It says Intel Core i5 10th Gen. <laughs> I, it's a fancy looking sticker, but I, I personally don't know what that means. Yeah, and it, there's so many different SKUs and parts to it. But um, so if you decide to go for an Intel versus an AMD or the processor that you really like on one of those, that'll dictate the type of socket because each one of them has like their own type of pins and ways that they connect to a motherboard. So you you can buy a, a processor and a motherboard and they don't they're not compatible whatsoever, which is great. It's, it's like <laughs> yeah. buying a Ford part for a Honda. Right. It, that's a great way of describing exactly. it. Thank you. <laughs> um, so really figuring out which you want to go with. Do you want to go with Intel or or uh, AMD? Um, Intel is they have. They have a couple of, of things that they are good at, but they're losing a lot of ground recently. So Intel is really good at higher clock speeds. So what one of the things that they'll do is they'll market, this chip goes 20 billion gigahertz. And it's like, what the hell does that mean? It doesn't mean anything to you at the end of the day, um, other than it seems like it's a higher number than another processor. Um, Intel's better at gaming overall because it has higher clock speeds, which is like revolutions or a n number of times that the chip can go through a compute cycle and actually run instructions, actually take information and process it. Um, and so they, they have had higher clock speeds, which is usually better for gaming. AMD, on the other hand, usually has more cores and more cores at a better price. And so there's some things that um, will actually want to have more cores. Gaming is not one of them. What cores do is that in some applications and, and programs is that you, it, your computer can actually split up the workload between not just one processor, but multiple processors and have them run all at the same time. So it does it twice as fast or four times as fast. For example, your i5 has four cores in it so it can take instead it can do something that can be done on one core and split it into four different places roughly and it can do it at a quarter of the time if that makes sense okay but there's only some programs that can that really rely on that and then some programs that don't rely on too many cores and so when andrew was talking about like what to build for that's a really great first place to start off like do you want to just build a gaming computer okay you don't need to have 16 cores you don't need to have 32 cores you're not going to be doing rent blender renders <laughs> and doing 3d edits and stuff like that um you know on a professional level even then you can get by with a couple uh, of cores so if you want to go for gaming, probably Intel if you want to have something that's good well-rounded and you want to do some editing or you just want to have a good value, um, you can go for AMD. And once you've figured out what processor you want to go for, then you figure out the motherboard. <laughs> and oh my gosh, there are so many choices. <laughs> yes, there is. Oh. oh, man. I would like to give a shout out to a YouTube channel called Gamers Nexus. Andrew, have you ever watched Gamers Nexus? No. Nope. So Gamers Nexus is not just for gamers. Um, they are a really great source. They're, they're great tech journalists. Um, they do very in-depth videos. They might be a little bit out of... Uh, when I first started listening to them, I had no clue what they were talking about. It took me a little while to actually understand what they were doing, but they're very in-depth. And if you want to have like a, a very good rigorous analysis of different components or want to know what has the what's the best case for airflow to cool your computer, they're probably a good place to start. But that's just getting a little bit sidetracked. Um, but what are some different things that you would look for in a motherboard? <laughs> All right. So, uh, John, me or Roman? <laughs> 
Either of you. Hey, hey let, let me tell you what I would look for. I would look for a friend to tell me what I needed. There you go. <laughs> um, so, so what I typically look for in a motherboard is expandability um, after the processor. So how much can I expand on, say, I get down the road and I'm like, shoot, I need more, more RAM. I need a bit more RAM or I need a bigger processor. Can that processor support another size up of, or can that motherboard support another size up of processor? So that's usually what I look for in a motherboard. And then I make sure it's compatible with the processor I'm using. Um, so that's usually the steps I take after I have my processor selected. Because I usually do it ass backwards. <laughs> <laughs> I do the processor first, motherboard, and then everything else. So... Yeah, but. and it's uh, recommendations for RAM because you don't necessarily need to have all of the RAM in the world. No. Uh, it really depends upon what you're trying to do. If you're gaming, just gaming, 16 gigabytes of RAM is perfectly respectable. Yeah. Um, and your gaming won't really matter. If you're doing any type of professional workload, like if you are editing... You minimum you want to start off as 32 gigs, and that's probably if you're going to be editing 18p, um, pardon me, 1080p video. If you're doing anything above that, you probably want to throw in a little bit more, although you might be able to get away with it. Um, but RAM is random access memory for people who don't <laughs> know what what RAM is. It's it's so, and this is where it was something I got really confused with, is that there is storage and then there is memory, and RAM is a type of st temporary storage where your computer can put things into and then grab information out of really quickly so it doesn't have to write it onto a hard drive. And it does that as like a, a way so that it doesn't have to keep on just running the same code over and over again. It's also a type of volatile memory. And volatile memory just means if there's not an electric current going through it, then it loses all of the information. So that's why you can't store things in your RAM. And it doesn't actually make your the, your storage bigger. Um, and so RAM is different. Uh, memory is different than storage. Um, faster RAM will make your computer run a little bit faster in certain ways. And then better storage, faster storage. And we can talk about different types of storage. Um, might also make certain things go a little bit faster, like if you're opening an application or something like that, or you're you're downloading something. Um, what are different types of storage, Andrew? Um, well, now you have the solid-state drives, which are uh, fantastic. They're quiet. They're not clunky like the old ones were. <laughs> yeah, I believe um, this is actually the first laptop that I've ever had that had a solid-state drive. Because I remember my old laptop back in the day, man. You plug it in, that thing sounded like a B-52 bomber getting ready to take off on the <laughs> runway. And Roman, I'm, I'm surprised you had uh, laptops back in your day. Oh, we had them. I mean, you could, they doubled as a shield and self-defense weapon, but we had <laughs> Some of those are still going. The old laptops, like old ThinkBooks, were tanks. Yeah, I, I mean, I still have mine. It, they're not working properly, but maybe if I knew a guy like you guys, you could make them work. <laughs> maybe. I don't know what the hell you want to do so. with an antique like that, but... <laughs> make it fly? I mean, that's probably about it. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I mean, that's that's the old style of hard drive, um, where it's a disk drive. Um, literally couple magnet yeah magnetic discs floating and you you'd write your information on them so that's why magnetic tools are kind of not the greatest to have around them literally a cd in your computer spinning right um so how does so the solid state work solid state works um it's a technically flashes memory so it's actually Im embedding the memory by you i believe it is using a, a a laser or a light process um and actually encoding it on there one of the things with solid state storage is that it does degrade over time based upon the number of how big the drive is so it the longevity of it is going to be like if you're doing a lot of work on it like 
five to eight years. And you probably have to get a new solid state drive. But if you're just use, doing casual use, it's not that big of a deal. Um, it the one of the best ways that I, I could describe it, and I there's a person I talked to years ago and before I knew anything about computers who described it to me um, is think about like uh, a lazy Susan. That is your that's just a regular hard drive. So let's say you have something on the other side of the lazy Susan. You have to spin it all the way around to get to it. But if you are just have like, let's say, a bunch of boxes in front of you that has like a bunch of mail in it, you could just grab them really quickly. So it's really it's just right in within reach if you have just a bunch of cells in front of you. So it's like um, a la but for a lazy Susan, you have to spin it around and then you can grab it. And that's the difference is that solid state drives is that it has faster access that it can just kind of reach for the information faster. Um, but if there are a time, there is a time and a place for hard drives um, that they're still used in a lot of different capacities. I would suggest doing a solid state drive just for like a personal computer. But if you have lots of like, let's say old home videos that you want to store, getting a uh, like a 7200 RPM drive, which is like the faster version of the old hard drives, you can get a lot of bang for your buck in storage. And you can just put stuff on there, save it, it's really reliable. And if you're not using it all that much, it doesn't matter. It's just extra storage that you have access to. So there's a time and a place for it. Um, there's a really newer type and special type of solid state drive called an NVMe solid state drive. Andrew, have you experienced an NVMe drive? I've not experienced one of those yet. No, I haven't. They're crazy. And they're not really necessary for the average person. Um, I have one, but that's because <laughs> I'm crazy. Um, <laughs> you, you get a little bit it faster. That they're like the next. They're a type of solid state storage, but they connect to your your processor in a much faster way than a, a regular uh, solid state drive huh. does. Um, and they give you like you know some cases two three four times the performance there you can get like let's say a six gigabytes of download speed on uh, a regular ssd a sata ssd on an nvme you're talking about you know multiple gigabytes <laughs> in a, in a second it's it can get pretty crazy especially with the newer ones that they have out um they're they're coming down in price which is really good um you don't say. I just saw one for nine hundred bucks. <laughs> well, uh, the one that I have is uh, what I would say probably the the top of the line that somebody should really reasonably go with, um, which it's a one terabyte NVMe SSD. It was one hundred and fifty dollars. Oh, that's not bad. No, not not yeah. bad for something like that, and it's a terabyte. Yeah. So, so you're gonna have a lot of space. Yeah. Just. All, you know, it has like two video games on there. I'm just joking. <laughs> now, <laughs> this well, actually, speak, speaking of video games, like your your Xboxes and and Playstations, do they still use your like old school hard drive? I mean, PlayStation has does have a uh, ad adapter you can put expand the hard drive space, and it does have one in it. But I mean, a lot of the a lot of the PlayStation games are stay online. I mean, they download a digital amount, but not the full game typically. And it runs well, I just know like my Xbox downstairs is a one terabyte. Mm -hmm. And then I have another one or two terabyte hard drive external. Now I'm assuming they're like the older style. They're not solid state. They're, they're the ones that make noise. <laughs> they are. The yeah. newer PlayStation and Xbox are going to be the first one with solid state drives. They're joining the rest of the modern Okay. I, that was a question. I didn't. I hadn't read up enough to know if they were switching or not. So yeah, but that's cool. It's something to also say is that like there is a huge discussion around console versus computer and the value propositions between the two. Next generation consoles are going to be really good and give you good performance. If you prefer to play games on a console, that's perfectly fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's it there's there's nothing wrong with it but some people will say that 
a PC master race. Oh, it, it, that's funny you said that because uh, my, my fiance said that was a term that was going to absolutely come up tonight in, in our discussion. And way to go, Ian! You proved yeah, her right. Yep. You, you, Why? you brought it Why? out. <laughs> so, but Bow I, before that, me. I mean, that that is a good question. I don't know if it's a question that I should ask yet until we get to more, you know, in depth. But I. I've never really gamed on a PC. I've always been console gamer, and I, eventually we don't have to do it yet. But I, I want to know the benefits of each, what some people think and stuff, and why why people spend all this money building these computers to game when you know you can go out and buy an Xbox or a, a PlayStation. And I mean, I can definitely just answer that one now from my perspective because I have both. I mean. And the reason why I have both is because there's certain games that I really enjoy on console, and then there's certain games that I really enjoy on PC. Like, I mean, I play Heroes of Storms. You can't play it on PlayStation. Um, But then I also play City Builders, too, which are really good. But then I play Diablo on the PlayStation because I really like the fact of holding a controller while playing it. So... And there is actually... So one of the graphics card companies, and we'll talk about graphics cards, which is fun thing um, oh yeah that you can actually get like controllers for your computer so if you prefer on a controller um there there's a couple of benefits so the the benefits of consoles is that it's just like a it's a relatively cheap for the amount that you can spend um it's a cheap way to get decent quality gaming um the reason why they're able to make it a little bit cheaper is because the components that they have in a, in a PC are going to be less powerful on average than what you'd be putting in your computer for like a mid to high end computer. And they are able to get away with it because the, the develop game developers will actually tune those games specifically for the, um, the platform that they're on. So they'll make it so that, okay, this game is going to run really well on this type of hardware that's specifically designed. So they can get away with having worse components. The benefits for me is that, or a lot of people, um, I prefer gaming. I like to use directional keys and a mouse for most type of gaming that I do. Um, You can swap out your components and upgrade them. You can usually game at higher resolutions when you're doing really high-end stuff maybe have a smoother experience and you might have a, a larger catalog of games because most of the time it's like this is a console exclusive thing oh we also do pc so you don't have to choose from a limited selection of stuff that's just on one console there are some exceptions to that but that's like a general rule of thumb um but also it's just like you know if you have a computer that can game you also it's also like you know you can go on the web and and do stuff with it but it's not the the gap between compu- computers and consoles is getting smaller and smaller each generation just because of how efficient computing power is getting yeah, and that comes back to moore's law with uh, computing power doubles every two two years i believe <clears throat> so yeah it's uh God, Moore's Law is something that's really contentious in the computer it, it, building com- community. It is, but I mean, that's one of the big. That's one of the big. You know, was the big thing for the long time, and it got a lot of heat there. Whenever um, MIT made that microchip smaller than micro, one micron was it or two microns? Oh, I oof. But, do not but, know. Anyway, Moore's Moore's Law is just an observation: the number of transistors that can be dense on a circuit. So it doubles every two years. So if you think of that in a standpoint of a microchip, I mean, our co- computing capacity expands greatly every two years. So yeah. one thing but, that uh, big processor companies and graphics card companies is that they'll they use this as like a marketing technique that you'll see. And this is maybe good for like a decision between two different processors is that one will be on a seven nanometer node. And the other one would be on a 14 nanometer node. Doesn't really matter that much at the end of the day. No. Going back to that thing between Intel and AMD, the two different types of process CPU um, companies, um, AMD is on a 7 nanometer node, which just means that 
their transistors are, are that much smaller than Intel's, but um, they don't get the higher clock speeds that are necessary for gaming. So it's it's don't be misled and just doesn't it's not a straightforward line saying that this thing is better than this thing because this thing is on a, a smaller has more dense transistors is what it really means. Yeah. Um and it's it's also I can get into how it's also not really 7 nanometer um but that's talking about a whole other range of issues with marketing yeah. and Let's com- Let's not diatom the potato right now. Yep, yep, let's not do that. Um. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, since we're talking about you know, capacitors, transistors, and we were just talking about video cards, um, I know there's a lot of big video card companies out, out there right now. I mean, NVIDIA being probably the largest one of them all, and then I believe, Ray, is it Radon's the other one? But It's also so, AMD. AMD's, yeah. yeah. But, and, ooh. Hmm. Yeah. So anyway, processors. Things that make your, your screen go, woo! <laughs> um, yeah. So that, that comes back to the... Uh, video cards come back to the process... Come back to processing power of information of video that you see on your screen. So it comes back to what you want to decide for your computer. Do you want gaming, video editing, basic everyday stuff that you do, whatever it is. Uh, just surf the web, streaming... Um, so typically the better of the video card, the faster it will process any of the video information that's being processed by the processor. So, um, with that said, um, you need to, need to define your goal before you select what video card you want to do. I love NVIDIA's, but I just started getting into the, AM, the, it used to be right, right on, but I guess it's AMD now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. There, I I do like them, but there is like also one of the big important things for gaming is the resolution size you're going to be playing at. So if you are just like let's do 1080p, which is full hot HD, and it's that's usually enough for the average person, and it will make your games look really good. Um, 1080p resolution size, you can get like a lower to mid end range card and play it at a really high rate um and it's really you'll get a a really great game experience but if you want to play at 1440p or 4k you'll have to get a better video uh, uh, card you'll have to get a better gpu and then when you're editing there's a whole other bunch of considerations um, that come into play um i have an amd um graphics card if somebody who actually knows a little bit about computers, like the the recent stuff, um, they'll they will laugh when I say I have a Radeon Seven because it was a failure of a card and it's been horrible for me. <laughs> I I made a huge mistake and uh, this is a cautionary tale. Um, it is a seven hundred dollar GPU, which is like that's a high end card, and. I decided to get it on the day that it came out, and I didn't wait for reviews. And I was like, "Oh yeah, this is gonna be great! It's it's on the first seven nanometer node. It's gonna be amazing. It has this many compute units, and it has 16 gigabytes of VRAM. Oh my god!" And then I was like, there right before a meeting at work, and it's like, "I'm gonna buy this right now." And it has been just crash after crash, instability issues. Um, it's fine. Um, it's it's still a good card, but if I had just waited a little bit longer, it would have saved me a lot of heartache. <laughs> and so, um, really be patient, wait, look at reviews, don't do what I did and just jump the gun on a really expensive component like that. It was a really hard lesson, and I feel stupid. <laughs> well, a lot of times, too, like the, the video cards run really well with the same processors and all that stuff, and coming from the company you look at these things that look amazing right they put all these trial videos out and stuff of how their cards run and what they don't say is what are they running with that card or what are they running that card on mm-hmm. and and a lot of times you don't get that information then you end up with the issues down the road or extra manufacturing bug 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 first round go <laughs> you know it, it that stuff happens though so 
Um, oh my gosh, I had I had a hard drive the one time, kind of similar situation, but it was it was just coming out. It was the first one that I that I can remember that was over a hundred gigabytes. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna get that. <laughs> yeah, I fried it. <laughs> oh my gosh! Just like no. So, but yeah, I mean, you're right with the cautionary tale. Be be wary of reviews and look at what other people say before before going out and getting something. And that goes for any any parts. Um. Yeah. So there's usually lots of hype around. CPUs and GPUs, so your processors and your graphics processors, because they're they're the sexiest things in your machine. They're like, yeah, this thing's gonna give me all the gaming performance. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yeah it's, it's like one of those things where I have to change my pants after I got it, and I need a smoke, you know? Because <laughs> <laughs> you gotta get that FPS up. <laughs> I mean, I. <laughs> When I bought it and I, I put it in my computer and then it, my computer wouldn't post, which is the term for turning, you know, being uh-huh. able to turn on. Um, when my computer wouldn't turn on for the first couple of days and I had to figure out what was going on, uh, I felt like I was being fucked. So. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> but, but I mean, that's yeah, but that's another thing um, anybody who's a first time builder should look out for too like mm-hmm. like you said if it's not posting or starting up what were the what was either a what's the new part you put in b what did you change and actually this is a good thing that'll bring us into the build how'd you build it did you have a clean surface did you make sure you have your static band and have a, some way of de-staticking yourself before putting it together and maybe you fried a transistor somewhere or a capacitor whenever you're putting it together um because static is a huge problem that's why they ship everything in the static static free bags so one thing that recently when i've started getting back into computer building with my newest computer i got a motherboard that has like a little led at the top that's called a postcode um if you have any problems with your computer that postcode that will come up it'll be like a number and a letter or two numbers it'll tell you what you did what's going on and it's really really handy and so it's like it'll say a9 and it's like okay you look up in a manual and you won't know what it means right away because it'll say memory not handing over to CPU properly. I'm like, like, what? Okay, what the hell does that mean? Okay, I'm gonna go online. So you look up on your phone, you go into a forum, and then you have somebody smarter than you explain to you what that means. <laughs> and once once you figured that out, it's like, okay, no, I have to reshuffle around the the what I put into the RAM slots. Um, that's a really useful feature because it. It helped me figure out what was going on with my computer in my first day of like, oh, I bought all these components, I put them together, I don't know what's going wrong, I know this gives me some some direction to look, and it's been invaluable. So my next computer, I'm getting one of those, I'm getting a motherboard with a little postcode. Yeah, which that's that's ridiculous. It's like a little SOS thing. That's great. Mm -hmm. I've never I've never heard of that. Yeah, it's it. It's a newer thing. Um, it used to be on really, really high-end motherboards, and now you can get it on on medium, mid-end um, mm-hmm. motherboards. But. Um, yeah. Oh, I know what we didn't talk about in the clips, clipping things in. Uh, cable management. <laughs> yeah. You gotta remember to be careful with putting your clip near cables in and your RAM and your video cards because it. Because you have to make sure your pins are on the right direction. I also have a story for this. And I'm going to do it in ASMR. So I'm 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 not going to do that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I I had a... uh, We should also talk about coolers and power supplies. But I had an all-in-one cooler, which is like a liquid cooler. Super cool looking... Um, there's a cable that ran to my motherboard that I didn't notice because, you know, it's it a black cable on a black motherboard. And I clipped down the RAM and I cut off the cable. <laughs> my first time and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> so I had to repair that cable, which was not fun. Um, 
so yeah, just be really mindful of cables. Like cable management is is key. Um, it will help out on multiple things. Yep. It will mean that you will not destroy cables in your box like I did. It will also mean that you have better airflow going through your your computer. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, make sure you always tie your cables up after after you're done, right? Yeah. How do you like? Do you like using twist ties or do you like using zip ties? I like zip ties. Mm-hmm. I feel like they're they're the best. The only thing is, is if you have to take your computer apart, be wary of the wires because if you're taking the zip tie off, you don't want to snip one of your wires. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. So, oh. um, but like you're saying with the pushing it, pushing your RAM, um, for anyone who's a new builder, um, they want to make sure they pay attention to the pins because there's a notch that fits specifically in this, the slot that they slide in and clicks in. Because if you don't and you try pushing it, you'll break your break either your motherboard or you'll break your uh, piece that you're trying to put in. Yeah. It, yeah, so. Very handy. There's just a little notch. All you have to do is just match it up and push in. You're good. It's the easiest thing you'll have to do when building a computer. So us that failed at this... The kid ball with the shapes that go in. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. If if you can't figure out basic shapes, I I think you should probably buy a pre-built computer. Why does it look like an X? (laughs) Um, Also, uh, talking about uh, your CPUs and putting in your processor is that it will have a very specific orientation that you have to put it in. And there's usually a little triangle or a little indicator right at the edge of one of your CPUs that will also be on your motherboard. And you ha- you just have to put it in. You shouldn't have to force it at all. You just drop it in and it will just sit and be perfectly fine. And then it'll have like maybe a little latch or an arm that you can put down. But as- if it doesn't go in very easily and just settle in, then do not force it. Because that means you can bend pins on your motherboard or your CPU. And if you have a bent pin, the CPU might not work. It is the most... Picking up the CPU and putting it in, it for me, is the most stressful part of building. Once it's in, and it's like, okay, I know that everything's good. And um, the the CPU is in the motherboard. Uh, then this all feels like a euphemism. <laughs> and Andrew is laughing. <laughs> Um, once the, you have the CPU in the motherboard, you know that you are okay and that you, you didn't waste a ton of money. Um, so you're putting your, uh, gold, your gold 32 pin into, uh, the gold 32 pit slot, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I went there. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So cooling. Cooling fans, heat sinks. That all comes off, sits on... There's one that sits on top of the processor. You want to make sure after you put your processor in and you fit it on top of that, it usually has some latches too and usually has a cable that that plugs in as well because you have to power that fan somehow. Um, Yeah, and then you have to make sure your other heat sinks throughout the case are properly put in. Don't want to put them in backwards and have your blow your ones that are supposed to be blowing out blowing in and ones blowing in blowing in or blowing out blowing in as well because then you're going to just have a hot box for your processor yeah that's so for me um there are two different types of main processor coolers that you can put in there's an air cooler i'm just going to put funny ears quotes around it because it they both use air (laughs) um and then there's an, an AIO, which is an all-in-one liquid cooler. So it actually uses um, a water to go up to a radiator, and it pushes air out of the radiator and the heat with it. So it kind of carries up the heat. Um, so this sounds similar to, like, um, like a motorcycle. You've got your older air-cooled motorcycles versus your liquid-cooled, right. which, of course, liquid is more effective. Yeah, it has a able to absorb more energy and more heat um, than what an, an air cooler can on average. A really good air cooler will be pretty comparable to a decent AIO, um, but with 
liquid cooling, if you want to have the absolute best, you get a all-in-one liquid cooler. Or you can do custom loops and liquid cooling, which is a, you could do a whole other thing on that. I, I have not touched it at that point, at this point, but you actually, if you've ever seen one of those cool computers that has like glass tubes on the inside and it looks like you're looking inside the matrix in a rave um that's what the custom loops are they have like specialized liquid that will move around it and that's the really the 100 best way of cooling but aio is usually going to be the best cooling that you can get if you're just like going to build a computer there are some considerations with it though um, AIOs, since they have liquid in them, and you have electronics, if they fail terribly, then it, you have the chance of damaging the rest of your computer. But they happen, they have such a small fail rate when you get it from a reputable and good company um, that has decent reviews. Uh, For some like, reason, I felt a story coming on there, Ian. <laughs> <laughs> no, thankfully, this is something that I did well. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I would recommend like going with Corsair, um, EVGA, uh, with NZXT, anything that has decent ratings on Amazon is going to have a decent quality to it. And, and as long as you're not like tugging on the tubes and trying to like pull it apart, you're going to be okay. Um, it's recommended that you probably will want to change it every five years where an air cooler will last you a good one, 10 years. Um, without any pr big problems. Um, and it, it's just one of those things to be, you know, consider maybe just, you know, test it out before you put it in the case. Um, check it every once in a while just to make sure it's not leaking and you'll be okay. It's it's really not that big of a deal, although you'll see some people scream online and be like, it destroyed my entire computer. That's one in a hundred thousand. Um, then... One thing is is power supplies, uh, but oh man, I, I I forgot about fans. No, I'm gonna whirl back. We're gonna talk about fans for a second. I'm a fan. You're gonna whirl back. Yes. We're gonna whirl back like a fan. <laughs> whirl back like a fan. Uh, now I'm gonna talk about some fans here. I'm a fan of you guys. You guys are great. Um, there. So there. Then there's case fans that Andrew was talking. About. Out. So, like, stuff that you'll put in the front and directing airflow. Um, and this is where it maybe gets a little bit technical. And you don't have it at the end of the day. Like, most cans will come with, um, <laughs> will, will come with uh, a decent amount of airflow. Uh, but just one last thing talking about cooling is that there's two types of case fans um, there is static pressure and then high airflow. High airflow is good for case fans. Static pressure is good if you're going to be putting it on, uh, need to push it through a radiator. So just something to, to look out at. Um, did we want to talk about power supplies? Yeah, we can talk, we'll talk about power supplies next. I'm not, I haven't put in a power supply in a long time. That was not one that came with the case. So, I mean, really, they come in a few varieties, right? They come in, they come in different amounts of voltage i yeah. believe if i remember right there yeah so it's it, different watts um you can go everywhere from 300 watts which you can usually find embedded in in a, a pretty cheap case to um i've seen 1500 watts 2000 watts um power supplies it, the great way to think about it is like what gas would you put into your vehicle um power supply is going to give uh, these are really delicate electric and electronic components that need to have very specific voltages and power delivery methods. And if you have a horrible power supply, it could destroy your entire computer. So you want to make sure that yeah. you do not skimp on it. Um, so is bigger always better? <laughs> um, it's not about bigger, but it's about efficiency. Okay. Um, so... <laughs> There is. That's what she said. That's what she said. Totally. Um, <laughs> it's it's about efficiency, man. Don't no. Don't say that. Um, so, uh, the two things to look out for is the amount of power your computer will draw. The more cores, the faster your com your computer is. The bigger your graphics card is, the more power you're going to need for it. 
you'll see that there's watts, the amount of watts that I can output. And then it'll say like it's 80 plus bronze, golds, silver, and that's just how efficient that it is. My recommendation is to go with 80 gold or above from a reputable um, source. So that's a bigger company like EVGA, Corsair, one of the bigger names that you'll see a lot of reviews on Amazon, and you'll probably be just fine. But go with a, a higher efficiency. Power supplies should last you for a while, and the only thing that should really degrade over time is efficiency. So my preferred is go a little bit higher than what you think you need, and it's pretty easy to calculate the wattage, but then you'll be perfectly fine for a long period of time. I go overboard with everything that I do. So I have an 850 watt power supply, which you is, don't say, yeah, which is like, I could probably, I could probably kill myself with that. <laughs> but I, or, or just get really kinky. Um, <laughs> we might edit that out. <laughs> No, it must stay. <laughs> I'm talking about death and sex. What? <laughs> what more do you want? <laughs> so entertaining. <laughs> now we're off the track. Potatoes. Yep. Okay. Potatoes. All right. What? I get me. Get me back on track. What? What are we talking about? Oh, so we're talking about power supplies, and actually, I think we covered. We covered the main primary portions of the computer. I mean, we we glazed over the operating systems, but that really wasn't part of part of what we're going to talk about today. So. We, I think we, I think we did a good. What do you think, Robin? Yeah, I mean, I understood it pretty well for being a simple folk. <laughs> it's uh, there are lots of great U- resources on YouTube. Um, we can very quickly talk about operating systems because that is a whole other thing. Maybe a little extra bonus content that we can throw in at like a a separate portion if you want to, <laughs> so we don't potato too hard on this. I mean. Well, we could throw that in at a separate time because yeah, we're gonna we're gonna really potato hard, I think, on that one. Okay, then I, maybe we should just um, you know wrap up and then we can we can throw that in maybe a little bit later. Yeah, yeah, I think I think we can throw that in at a later point. Um, so I guess we to wrap up, let's just go really quickly through. If you have all of these parts in front of you, um, what would you do? Like you have all your components and everything like that. Andrew, where do you start building a computer? I well, okay. So after we have everything cleaned, we have we have some sort of static relief. Make sure there's no static electricity. I would start with. I just need to backtrack and think in my head. Um, I would actually start with putting in the motherboard, putting together the motherboard and processor in the computer. That way, the main portions in there, and I don't. For me, it's less worry if I know that I didn't screw I screwed up the processor then than it would be if I have the whole computer together and go, oh crap, I put the processor in backwards. Um, so I usually start there and then work my way out. So start in the center, processor, then go to go to the video card, any other cards that need to be put in, then the RAM, then cooling fans, and um, power supplies. I mean, depends on the case. If the case is big enough to do that, if it's a smaller case, then I'll put in the outer, ulterior, ulterior. That's not a word. Outer stuff <laughs> like the fans, power source, CD, DVD, um, RAM, if or CD, CD drives, DVD drives. If you guys still use them, then I was gonna say, is that still a thing anymore? <laughs> it's disappearing. It, it is. is slowly. But um, but if but if you were to use them, I would put them in. If it's a smaller case, I would start on the outside, work my way in, because that way you have as much stuff. The fans get to be a pain in the butt if you have too much stuff around them. So, so you might want to put. I might put them in first. Like I said, it all depends on what the case looks like. So I got a question for you. Um, of all these different parts that we spoke of today, what is the most expensive part? Normal processor. I would think. What do you think, Ian? Graphic cards. Graphics cards have gotten way more expensive over the years. So it is. It's between your your processor and a graphics card. Um, 
processors can range you for enthusiast grade um, or for just like personal use anywhere from $100 to $750. Graphics cards can range you from anywhere of $100 to $1,500. Um, wow. So it, it, you can spend a decent amount and there's even stuff that is like $2,500 for graphics cards, but that's when you're getting into more professional solutions. And, um, so yeah, graphics cards recently have been getting more expensive, but hopefully some new competition in that market's going to bring the price down. Okay. There is also, um, cryptocurrencies bumped up the prices of, of, uh, graphics cards. So, when people would do Bitcoin mining, the best way to do it is with graphics cards because they were more designed for just being able to compute large numbers, which is what you need for cryptocurrency. So when there's a lot of Bitcoin going on and it's $20,000 per Bitcoin, it's also very expensive graphics cards. Hey guys, I want to thank you for uh, joining us tonight on our uh, episode on computers. Uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that anytime you hear potato diatomaceous potato out in the potato you know any form of that i mean i could be all on left potato for all we know some days uh, but it's the way to keep us on on task so we wanted to let you guys know and we also wanted to let you guys know uh just to be safe out there you know keep up to date um with everything going on so be safe i hope you guys are listening soon all right thanks